Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 51. I like books because I'm shy. This week, we're discussing season 3, episode 16 of Buffy, Doppelgangland, and series 4, episode 8 of Doctor Who, Silence in the Library. As always, we suggest you watch these episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, Doppelgangland first this time. Um, we wanted to make sure we noted that it's written and directed by Joss, um, which is always a good way to recommend an episode, and um, definitely hugely enjoyed this one, as you predicted that I would. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, I want to start with Willow um, and spend, yeah, shockingly, I'm going <laughs> to do the unexpected and no, um, going to be completely predictable and spend most of the time talking about Willow. Um, but I wanted to start by quoting um, from an article which you sent to me, which you referenced back when we talked about The Wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we've seen both episodes of this in this sort of wish verse as opposed to mainline buffy verse um you actually did send me the article so i could read it um and uh it's an article from slayage by david kosiemba i think you say his name um and there's a lot of good material in it but um for talking about willow i thought this sort of paragraph was really a good way to kind of start thinking about things um so he's talking about vampire willow and the extent to which she is or is not willow um Mm. he says she's both willow and not willow she's drusilla but not quite we read the alternative versions of these characters carefully in the hopes of of revealing what is central to their being what must vamp willow retain to feel recognizably like willow what is her essence in experiencing these clashes between emotion and reason Kostler wrote, our thought processes change direction nimbly and quickly, but our emotions, possessing greater inertia, cannot. We keep hanging on to old reliable willow in the face of this new one. Our laughter releases our feelings after a shift of association deprives it of its original object. We laugh because we can't quite place which figure is absurd and which is plausible. So I like this kind of question well, I think there's kind of two points here. One is, what is the essence of Willow which makes her her? To, yeah. How how much can you change about Willow and have her still be the same character? Um, right. And this is a question they sort of bring up in the episode is, is this her or is this not her? Um, and different characters might reach different conclusions about that. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also like where he kind of, ends up about, uh, you know, the kind of uncomfortable laughter, you know, which is because we can't figure out which is absurd and which is plausible. And and it being kind of uncomfortable to think that Vampire Willow is as legitimate as yeah. Primary Willow, you yeah. know, that, or, or maybe even, you, you can't say she's more legitimate, but I think what he's kind of raising is the question that perhaps willow herself is kind of absurd to begin with um and Hmm. that you know you know the the possibility exists that 
Vampire Willow isn't just this, like, crazy alternative version of the character, but a a version which is as real or as legitimate as the one that we know. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he kind of says, like, that's because we have a hard time with that because our emotional, uh, I guess, um, loyalty is with the Willow that we know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we want to think of her as real and this other one as fictional, I guess, which is a little yeah. silly seeing as they're both fictional characters. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, it's just raising this issue, I think, of, of identity and, and which, you know, how, how different can these circumstances make you and, and you can retain your identity or not. Right. So. Right. You know, what? and, and I, I just was thinking of this now and, and now it makes me want to go back and read it. Um, but I was just thinking of, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's, um, essay on the other, which is sort of, a, a classical essay on science fiction and, and, you know, just the idea of alienness and, and, um, some of the ideas that she works out through like novels, like left hand of darkness and that kind of thing. And has a very similar sort of thing here to what, what I think you're talking about is, yeah. Like which one is plausible, which one is absurd? Well, it's the one that we're familiar with really is what it boils down to, because that's the one that we met. And that's, that's also like, we see that also in sort of the cringing um, and, and horror that the others uh, find when, you know, when they think that Willow has been turned into a vampire, which actually she has, it's just not the same Willow. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. So it's just a, it's a very interesting, you know, sort of thing, but yeah, it's all about where you're, where your point of origination is really where your foundational idea of what, what is the essence of Willow? What is, Mm -hmm. what does Willowness mean, you know, kind of thing. And, and it's what we've seen from the beginning. And so when things do change, you know, and, and you can even hear that um, just uh, to move away from Willow specifically, but just like more vaguely just with people in general, it's like, Oh, you know, he wasn't, acting himself or you know i could tell something was wrong because you weren't acting yourself kind of Mm. thing like you were acting in a way that doesn't you know uh portray my idea of what you usually act like (laughs) you know what i mean and so um yeah it is it is just sort of this you know again just this idea of of the other and and there being a certain sort of horror in that and and trying to find what it is but like like for example if i you know we've never seen angel as not a vampire except in a few flashbacks very minor brief scenes but like from the beginning we saw angel as a vampire but with a soul. And so there were certain connotations that that had. And so like when we did see him lose his soul, it becomes kind of an absurd thing for us too, until we get sort of used to him not having a soul. And yeah. then it becomes absurd to sort of see him back again. Yeah. You know, when he comes back and does have a soul. So it's not that we haven't seen this before, but I think it, it is a little bit more shocking with Willow because as we'll talk about, you know, you know, we go through the list of the old reliable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, idea that, that she's always going to be who she is, um, 
and that who she is is always going to be how we perceive her or have perceived her up to this point. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting take on that. Um, and well, I was just gonna say, and it's interesting too, that of course she's the one who realizes that actually this other willow is not so unlike her to begin with. So she sees a core of willowness in the vampire that we see as not being willow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. as sort of being the, the anti willow or the, the opposite of willow um, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and willow's kind of thinking about that even before the episode sort of proper gets going, you know, cause she's sort of, resistant to this she's both she she's both kind of attracted and resistant to this idea of wildness and craziness you know because mm -hmm. she goes she says like they're talking about the the crazy test and you know where they ask you if you're a florist because apparently being a florist wanting to be a florist is a yeah. sign of whatever mental instability mean. or whatever um and so she goes she almost starts to say, you know, Floris, and then she goes, oh, wait a minute. Floris means you're crazy, right? I never wanted to do that, you know? Right, right. And, and then she's talking about the emotional control, but as soon as you bring up something she feels emotionally angry about, which is faith, you know, she, the, the pencil flies into the tree, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, and she talks about res resenting being old reliable, and now her idea of rebellion is often quite tame you know it means like eating a banana before lunch or right, right. you know storming off in a sort of cute non-threatening sort of way and you know or maybe or maybe something as daring as skipping class you know like mm -hmm. her you yeah. know so the kind of what what becomes absurd is her idea of the rebellion in the face of truly rebellious willow truly anarchical willow who has you know embraced all of those you know uh antisocial behaviors and so much more mm -hmm. so you know you kind of get a little bit of playing with what exactly in in the context of this willow what does it mean to be wild and crazy and rebellious you know right. um but but that same thing, which is, you know, at the same time that she's resistant to wanting to do those things, she also kind of wants to do them to prove a point. Or there's a certain appeal in, in doing something shocking, you know, and unexpected. So you can't quite say that Vampire Willow is totally different because it's just those same, it's, it's that same thing dialed up to 11, you yeah. know. Yeah, same impulses, except that she's acting on them rather yeah. than repressing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, and I mean, not that that sort of dichotomy has never been played out in literature or film or the theater before, right? But Of course not. It's, um, yeah, it's like a very tame level of almost crime and punishment, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like with the, 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 the counter- um, influences sort of pulling in, in, in multiple directions. Um, yeah, maybe I'll change my look or yeah. cut a class like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how dare you? Lunchtime yeah. be damned. 
Um, <laughs> no, I think it's great. But I think, you know, on, on the other hand, I mean, you certainly, there's also that element of, you know, he was always such a nice guy until he snapped, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like there's like, this is Willow pre-snap and post-snap, <laughs> you know, we get like two different pictures of in the same instant yeah uh, yeah yeah you know sort of side by side of you know this is willow repressed willow and and yes she's always doing everything and letting people walk all over her and just sort of accepting assignments from snyder and you know um i love like i love the the whole you know she's complaining to buffy about how how snyder is always um, yeah you know sort of expecting her to just do whatever he tells her. And then immediately after she gets done complaining of that, Giles says, Hey, you know, this needs to be done. And she's like, okay. You yeah. know, like, you know, like, well, yeah. he's no, doing it like, too. You he know, he thinks everyone's like, time is his own. Willow get on the computer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's this, you know, idea that it's not just mean spirited people like Snyder. No, it's people like Giles and her friends. And yeah. Um, you know, Okay, Xander, we've already talked a plenty about, you know, how he sort of just always expects Willow to be there. But you see that it's it's prevalent. It's it's everyone that she runs into just sort of expects Willow to always be the same, you know, the old reliable um you know, Oz, well, I didn't think you'd want to come to my show. You yeah. know, like fairly innocent. And and, you know, and then she's Oh, you think I'm boring or whatever. Well, I'd call that a yeah. radical interpretation. But is that really that radical? I mean... Yeah, but to, at the to... same time... But then at the same time, he says, you know, we're playing a gig tonight. And she goes, well, I have too much homework. So right. she's feeding into it as much as... Right. She sees herself in that way as well. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So Which, it's... you know, how much, like you were saying, like, normal Willow, essential Willow, if that's based on our on everyone's perception of what essential Willow is, how much is she conforming to that? You know, that mm -hmm. she does what, what is it, what is expected of her, you know? Um, and so it's, she's got a, a piece in that pie as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely an interesting, you know, vision sort of meeting here between, between her and, and the other. And, and I'll point out, you know, we'll, and we can talk about, you know, sort of the interactions between Willow and, and vamp Willow or, or mm -hmm. evil Willow or whatever we want to call her. Um, but I, I think the the really interesting thing is at the end, you see that things do change when people take note of her change in, in particular with, with Percy, I think is sort of, you know, yeah. the point of his character, if there is a point, seems to me to to show that there actually is some good that could be brought about by Willow not being so reliable or yeah. or maybe maybe not maybe that's wrongly stated the way I just said that but may, you know at least to Willow letting loose a little bit every now and again because yeah. you see you know of course I'm not saying she should go around and beat people up just because they whatever but you know certainly vamp willow sort of puts the the brakes on what percy yeah. is trying to, to do and yeah. and and you know it causes him 
to rethink and say, oh, maybe I, I better get this stuff done on my own because Willow won't actually do, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the typical, and I don't know how I, you know, it's, it's the folk wisdom of, you know, stand up to a bully and they'll never, you know, bother you yeah. again kind yeah. of thing. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. And I've read some stuff that might say that that's actually not true, but <laughs> at least like in the realm of TV and movies and whatever, that seems to be the, the sort of colloquial wisdom. Maybe, maybe true in the broad context, in the, in the broader generalization, if not in every particular case, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, that seems to be sort of the, the, the thing that goes on here with Percy. And so we see in the end, that, you know, because he does his own homework and it sort of frees Willow up to be a little more spontaneous and say, I will go out tonight with Buffy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like so like by the end, she has kind of done the thing that she was threatening, threatening. I use scare quotes around that term, you know, the yeah. threatening to do that, that she's going to change and and whatever. And and now she is going to go out on a school night and and not you know, stay home studying or whatever. Um, yeah. So, you know, she does kind of get there in the end. Yeah. Um, in a similar way that we saw maybe like a change with Xander in the Zeppo. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I would say this well, is sort thinking, of a, a corollary episode to that. It is. It is because I was just thinking too, you know, because the other thing you get out of this episode is the, the relief of, the others when they realize that she isn't actually dead, that mm. the vampire isn't her. Mm. And so you get that kind of thing of the, the peek into how people would feel if you died, you know, like that right, most people right. don't get in life, but occasionally in stories, you get that opportunity to see like, what would their reaction be? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it turns out to not have been actually true. So you know, you get that kind of, you know, shock, shocked effect of tricking them into appreciation, you know, of kind of realizing what it is that, you know, that she was the finest of all of us and that <laughs> how much they care yeah. about her and what she contributes and everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, it has that kind of effect too. Mm. Um, and it's kind of the opposite of, uh, with Xander, because I think <laughs> with Xander, it was kind of about him ha learning to have strength in himself, even if the others didn't realize what was going on with him. Like, they never actually learn what it is that he did, but he mm -hmm. learns to know, to have, you know, the confidence of, of what he did to not necessarily say it, you know, mm -hmm. that he yeah. learns to appreciate. The point is that it's not about them appreciating him. It's him, you know, not needing their appreciation or their approval. Whereas with Willow, it is more about they take her for granted as the reliable, you know, that as the kind of workhorse who doesn't, you know, um, I wouldn't say she's, I think she, she has more of those skills than Xander does. Like she's the one who's hacking into the mayor's, you know, database and, right. you know, and so it, she has these skills, but they just take for granted that she'll contribute them, you know, without, you know, yeah. thanks well, or praise or anything. And so there's that moment of, of appreciation, which I think helps 
you know, safeguard against some of the kind of feeling like a doormat, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's that idea that, well, I'm not asking you to do very much, so can you just do this little thing for me? But then when you get that and times it by, you know, 20 different people, each asking you to spend 15 minutes, you know, that's half your day. That's half your waking yeah. hours doing stuff for other people. And that's the thing that it's, it, it, you know, it's the, the death by a thousand cuts kind of, you yeah. know, thing that, that seems to be working at her here. It's not that any one person is necessarily monopolizing her time, but it's that everyone is taking little pieces of it until there's nothing left for her. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it does make you wonder, too, you know, I thought with um, with when Anya comes to her and asks for help with the spell and Willow's kind of excitement about <laughs> yeah. that of, you know. Ooh, um, something I actually want. And that's kind of like you get the insight of why she likes it, right? Well, that's uh, what it made me think was, OK, here's the appeal of the magic is it's it's. The knowledge, yes, you know that we we've quoted that that she <laughs> I just wants, want to learn I just stuff. want to learn stuff, um, and it is a skill which she can contribute, but it's something mm-hmm. which is a little bit dangerous. It's a little right. bit on the edge, and that's you know she's not trying to do bad things with it. She doesn't want to do the black arts that she wants to help people. She doesn't want to hurt people, but there's still it's like and sacrifice oh, goats a little and sacrifice goats, but of course, but um. But you kind of get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of insight into what might be appealing about that for her. Um, So, yeah. And and I don't know that we quite got that before. It seemed like something which was more of a intellectual pursuit before, I guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas it seems from from her reaction to Anya's suggestion, it, it seems like the 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 danger of it is part of it, you know, that that seems to be at least an ingredient in, in the appeal of it for her. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely um, what we get from here. And I think you're right. So, I mean, her initial delvings were sort of, were inspired by Jenny, right? Jenny calendar was sort of, you know, it was sort of the, Oh, you know, here's this teacher I respect who teaches computer class, which I'm good at computers and so I'm going to sort of look into this too. And then Jenny died and, and, you know, it was sort of, what was she working on? Oh, here's something, you know, that can help. And maybe I can, you know, help this out too. But all along the way, you're right. We're getting Giles saying, you know, it's dangerous to mess with this stuff. Don't mess with it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And now, and now we're seeing that that may not have been the best way to dissuade her all along. Right. right? <laughs> like, right. like right. maybe it would have been better to say, you know right. what? It's, don't, don't read it's that boring. book. Don't read it's... that book. It's bad for you. And then suddenly yeah. it's a bestseller, yeah. you know? <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Like now, now we are getting some of that insight and, and she's like, well, can we at least pretend it's dangerous? Um, yeah. Only to find out that it's actually way more dangerous it's than she quite dangerous, yeah. Uh, would have imagined, and and the same thing, you know, Anya actually gives like the sort of response that she thinks Willow's hoping for, right? Is that oh no, it's not dangerous at all. Like, don't worry, you'll be fine. Yeah, Willow's expecting the opposite, but you know, almost I. I mean, I, she doesn't really like dissuade her or anything because clearly they still do the spell. But, but it's it's like, 
she almost sucks the fun out of it for Willow, right? By yeah. saying it's not dangerous at all. So yeah, if she if she really wanted the help and and knew anything about Willow, she would have said, "Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of risky." Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, yeah, and 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 all of that kind of goes into showing bridging this gap between what could be the possible connection between these two different willows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who on the surface couldn't seem further apart, you know, but you kind of realize some of that, um, some of that sort of risky rebellious behavior is innate to the willow that we know as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and- um, and she again is resistant to that idea that like, you know, Buffy's talking about comparing herself to faith and, and Willow says, you know, nah, some people don't have it in them. And really this whole episode is showing, actually, you know, maybe everybody does have it in them. And under the right circumstances, yeah. you know. The people you least suspect. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And Buffy <laughs> kind of sums it up with there, but for the grace of getting bit, you know, that <laughs> in an right. alternate universe, yeah. everybody kind of does have it in them, yeah. you know. and And you are the sum of your your circumstances and your choices you know yeah yeah yes i mean and and it always comes down to that it's a mix right it's not always nature and it's not always nurture it's there's a little of each that goes into the recipe um and 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 actually yeah so talking about that too we get a very interesting clue um into the nature of sort of how vampirism works, right? Because mm-hmm. we get that moment of, you know, Buffy saying, uh, well, you know, it it's not like your personality, you know, when you're taken over by a vampire, your personality has nothing to do with what you are when you're alive. And Angel has the kind of the, well, that's not actually a good point. <laughs> and so, yeah. so here, you know, the question is, how are we supposed to take that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Is, um, I, is well, how do you take it? Cause I, I, well, I, I, I love that quote because I think, and that shows that, you know, that's Joss Whedon, you know, his talent in a nutshell. His ambiguity, yeah, yeah. It's that less is more that, 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 uh, that hesitation and the kind of retraction of whatever he was going to say says way more than a long speech about the metaphysics of the vampire soul. You know, like right. Angel digressing about how much of, you know, you're, you are you after you're bitten and everything doesn't mean as much as him swallowing his own words in that moment. Right. Because it tells you, A, how what he thinks, and B, that he thinks it, important enough to spare Buffy and Willow that knowledge in that moment that, you know what, I'm not even going to go there for, for like, it, and I think that does state it more strongly than like, cause if he just said, Oh, I disagree about that. Then that could be, you know, one voice among many, you know, it could just be, well, Angel sees it one way and someone else sees it something else. But the fact that he kind of recognizes that what he's saying you know, there's a time and a place and that this is important sort of knowledge and that maybe 
maybe saying this to them isn't what they need right now kind of it makes it even weightier mm-hmm. you know um so i read it so that did way more to convince me of his opinion than any speech he could have given i think yeah um the fact that he kind of recognizes the the delicacy of that mm-hmm. um so i'm in it hook line and sinker i guess like i kind of i, I you know the fact that he said that and then and then swallowed that down makes me think uh the vampires might have a lot to do with your personality you know and so much as she doesn't want to see it i think willow and vamp willow might have more in common than they'd all like to admit i'm, I'm sorry that you said that the vampires have a lot to do with your person. So that your personality is retained by the vampire. Is that what yes. you mean? Yes. Okay. okay. I just, I thought that's what you were saying. I just, the way you phrase it, I wasn't quite sure. And that's the way I've always taken it too. Yeah. So I, I, I would tend to agree with all that you just said that, yeah, the understated presentation is more convincing. Yes. <laughs> uh, Especially since it, he sort of just jumps in and then has the second thought and, like you yep. said, retracts. Like, it's the immediate response is, well, actually, that, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, I mean, and that takes us all the way back right to the beginning, or at least the second episode of season one with Xander and Jesse. Yeah. Um, you know, where where Xander is convinced that they're, is something of his friend still there and, yeah. and doesn't want to kill him. And I mean, he ends up dusting him anyway, and or he, he ends up getting dusted anyway, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not, that's still a running question. I get, we don't need to get into like deep into the mythology at this point necessarily, but I would just sort of throw that out there, you know, keep that in the back of your mind is, is how much of the vampire is, is still the person that they were or, or is at least a person in its own right. And Mm. what does it mean to not have a soul per se, you know, what soul and personality are, are they different things? It it seems to suggest that maybe that's the case. Um, You know, that, that there is an aspect of personality that's not part of the soul or, or vice versa, or that the soul is something that gets ripped out of a larger thing called your personality or something like that whatever that might be what complicates it even more and i don't have like any where to go with this but especially when you start throwing in this idea of alternative universes and timelines because Mm. if in one timeline willow loses her soul and in another timeline willow retains her soul those are contradictory things if there's one willow how can her soul be both hers and not? How can it be gone in one timeline yeah. and with her in another? And so you start to get even more complicated ideas of, again, right. what is the essential willow? Where is her soul? Is it with her or is it somewhere else? And yeah. how? And and so it opens this whole kind of metaphysical can of worms, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point because I, I hadn't really put a lot of thought into that, but you're right, there we've already seen different dimensions, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the hell dimension that, that, uh, um, angel 
you know, is put into and, and also um, Buffy when she's Anne going into that yeah. whole yeah. Um, dimension and, and whatever. Um, so we've seen that. But yeah, a different timeline seems to be different than a different dimension. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it seems like these are like, you're right. Like that, that there's this multiverse of, of dimensions that, you know, um, it seems like there's one soul per person kind of thing, but then there's also like these presumably different timelines, you know, with a number of potential events because you know we also learn and we can talk about anya here in a minute but we we also learned about anya uh being you know more than a thousand years old and having you know supposedly bent various timelines i mean she you know she talks about how many you know people she's sort of you know, I brought forth destruction and chaos and pleasure for lower beings. I brought ruin to the heads of unfaithful men, you know, like there's all of these events that presumably each one affected timeline somehow. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting because it, it really does tell you we're working on multiple sort of levels. I almost said multiple dimensions, but like, dimensions and timelines seem to be two different things in this Buffy yeah verse. yeah well dimension the different dimensions to me imply like a different almost physical space whereas right the different timelines are in, almost contradictory like you mm. know it, it's a parallel universe in which things are not the way they are here where mm-hmm. things are different so it's how can they coexist alongside each other? Yeah. And if and if the timeline splits and contradictory things happen where, in theory, Willow should not be able to both have a soul and not. So right. which timeline is true? And in that case, if they're both true, then what does that say about the soul? <laughs> you know, I, what what is, where is her soul really? Because these two different things are both happening at the same time, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's just very... And I don't know that I certainly don't have answers to those questions. I don't know that we'll ever that might be a a road too far, whether we get an answer to that i I would be surprised you know i maybe we will, but um it's interesting. It just kind of raises more questions about again this idea of where what is your soul, where is it, what can be done to it um and what is your identity if it's taken away, you know? So. Right. Right. Yeah. Very all good, interesting. All good questions. Um, yeah. We haven't even really talked about like the interaction between Willow and Vamp Willow that much yet. Um, no. We probably should before moving on, but yes. we might have to do it a little quickly. <laughs> yes. Um, so what are your thoughts? <laughs> Well, Not to throw you under the bus or anything. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I like the kind of uh, requisite of any doppelganger story, which is that they have to switch clothes. You know, it's like any great yeah, doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. It's like basically, it's like a rule. You have to end up in each other's clothes. And they didn't have the thing of like mistaking one of the well they did mistake one for the other they didn't have the thing of having them both together and people trying to figure out which is the real one but like 
it's still playing with those tropes and everything. And it it is, it's almost more of like, like a, a twin movie where they switch clothes and then you can see them acting like each other, but getting it completely wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like Willow's hilarious, lame attempt to be... <laughs> To be an her, evil mastermind. Yeah. Hi, hi, I'm back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's hi. just so bad. And uh. and then Vamp Willow is pretty much just as unsuccessful at acting. You know, her like the quote we used for our title that I like books because I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, but I, like, I like case, all that stuff of. In each case, they do at least period. You know, for a time convince the other people around them you know because it's and that that makes you wonder too like is that because the other people just see willow as old reliable and they're not even really paying attention to her actions and i mean that seems to be cordy right you know cordy is so self-centered and and whatever she's you know you can sort of believe that but then on the other hand you also get the same you, you know so is Vamp Willow also sort of the old reliable? Like, you know, you get the you get the whatever his name is the 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 second vampire in command there, right? Um, yeah. You know, saying, "Oh, I should have smelled you right off," but he didn't. He didn't notice, right. and Anya didn't notice. And is that because you're assuming that Vamp Willow is old reliable as well? Right. You know right. that she's a vampire. She's here to kill and maim and destroy and. Yeah, she might be acting a little funny, but we'll get to the killing soon enough. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's sort of that it's a re, it's a non-reversal reversal in a way, you know, just yeah. that, that again, that assumption yeah. that she's going to be same old vampire that we've come to know and expect. Um, yeah. And isn't, you know, turns out that she isn't, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the other thing which really stood out to me with their interaction was the surprising level of, I guess, in different ways, affection that they had for each other, you know? <laughs> like, Vamp Willow is clearly kind of turned on by herself, although she's turned on by everyone, so that's not saying Yeah, she sort of, she and, sort of, sort of has uh, a Captain Jack attitude. Yeah, yes, she does. And, um, and... And Willow, in the end, um, has a weird kind of affection for Vampire Willow mm. that she can't... Or rapport, can't, even, yeah. Yeah, like, she can't really, even though she knows how bad she is, she can't really wish bad of her, you know? She wants mm-hmm. her to survive. She wants her to have a chance. She wants her to try her best to not kill people. She even gives her a hug, you know, and <laughs> then... The other one fills her up. So, like, <laughs> I, hands, which hands. is like, I don't know what that says about Willow's. I don't kind of want to know what that says about Willow's psychology. But yeah, is that the vampire or is that innate? We don't know. Right. So uh, that's kind of interesting and maybe a little bit unexpected that they would sort of not completely have it in for each other, that they do have a sense of some sort of rapport, like you said, or some sense of relating to each other you know as you know as as some reflection of each other that they don't just totally see they're not one against the other that by the end there seems to be some sort of 
mutual acceptance, at least to a certain extent. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also in that, um, you know, the, the, the exchange there where Vamp Willow says this world's no fun and Willow regular, our Willow says, you notice that too, huh? You know? And it's just like, yeah, like, like you do get the sense of, I, I mean, obviously for very different reasons, oh, they're yeah. each saying that. But at the same time, there's there's that there's the finding the similarity. You know, again, the finding the common ground between um, one and and the other that does sort of take it to a different level than you would expect. Hmm. Um, um so, and yeah. I guess the the one other thing I want to make sure to say about Vampire Willow is this emphasis on sending her back to give her a chance mm-hmm. and she immediately gets staked and turns to dust and you get that off kind of <laughs> like she yeah, just yeah, stops herself short it's and it's it's right if she hadn't been dusted her, right then yeah, we know what you know what saying. the next word is so uh that's kind of an interesting twist too of you know i'm not quite sure what to make of that other than the kind of the black humor of it but um well and we knew that's what our that's what happened in the wish first anyway right Right. like that 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 was the next that's what should have happened and and i don't i mean it's been a while since i first saw this so i don't remember if i saw that coming or not you know what i mean it like sort of in the back of your head, you might know that that that's what's supposed to happen, but you don't really know if she's gonna, if that's gonna follow through when she gets sent back. Yeah, or that where exactly of, it, she's gonna get sent back to. It did surprise me because I kind of knew that she got sucked out of that whole fight, but I didn't quite get that it was like the second before she got staked. So when mm-hmm. she sent, so when she was sent back, and that was what happened, it did surprise me. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. me. Maybe other more astute viewers saw that it was like what was going to happen, you know. Yeah. Um, well, but it did and, have kind of a. It worked for me because it had that kind of. You, I did forget about that. So in the moment, you did have that disappointment and kind of oh man, <laughs> like they're trying to, in trying to give her that chance, they ended up dooming her to her fate i guess yeah but at the same time we also know that probably vamp willow is not gonna be good Reform. you know what i mean no and it so wasn't like, not the kind of re- regret i get when a, a scooby dies you know um, right right yeah more the kind of more the kind of like black humor of it like i said that kind of like yeah. oh man like i can't believe that just happened you know you know and it and it creates a conundrum because while we don't necessarily want to see vamp willow going around killing people and and doing whatever at the same time we i do i should say we mm. i like the impulse that our willow has of wanting to give her a chance, you know, even though we know it's not going to work out or at least strongly suspect it's not. We like that in our willow and we like that she is reliable in that sense that she does want to give people a chance and, and sort of, um, you know, give 
her that opportunity, you know, much like we would see in Doctor Who and Donna, you know, and, and, and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, not all of Willow's reliable, sort of nice, virtuous side is is boring or ineffectual. That yeah. there's Or tiresome real, or whatever. There's yeah. real morality to it as well. There's real yeah. compassion and everything. So it's to be admired, not just... Yeah. You know, it's not only the thing which gets her tread upon. It's also the thing which makes her, you know, one of the good guys, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think we are supposed to see that that is a good decision, even if it does accidentally lead to (laughs) the other self's uh, staking. And there's a sort of justness in it as well, because, I mean that was what was going to happen anyway. So it's not right. like, yeah. it, it's not like, you know, they're sending her back as causing her to be killed. It's, no. it's what should have happened. And, and bringing Vamp Willow out of the wish verse is, is the oddity. That's, that's the thing that should never have occurred to begin with. So, yeah. um, I think that sort of makes it easier. And we already talked yeah. about sort of, um, you know, Joss being able to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know, which is creating kind of this alternate what we talked timeline. about the wish in the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, yeah, having this timeline so that he can kill off all of the major characters in yeah. one episode, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> um, and, and yet still get to keep them around. Um, but yeah, this, this is, I, I like that. I like how this happens here because you do sort of get to see that it's, it does end up being more than just sort of that, you know, masturbatory impulse, <laughs> you know, it, it does actually have an impact on our willow and, and we'll see where and how much, you know, that goes, how far that goes yeah. or whatever. But anyway, in the last 15, 14 minutes or so, oh, uh, okay. we should probably talk about a few of the other characters. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think we definitely need to say a few more things about Anya. Yeah. Um, so if you have anything, you can start off or, or I've got a few things as well. Um, well, I mean, I just that we get a little bit more, uh, you know, data about her, her, her age, her considerable age. Um, and I like the part where she gets carded. <laughs> she just, she just <laughs> wants a beer. 22 years old. Yeah. Um, that was funny. And, um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we still don't know her very well yet, but she's, we do, I know you kind of had mentioned this last time, so we get confirmed that she is mortal and stuck at her teenage, you know, uh, self, at least for the time being, and that she's pretty desperate to, um, to get back. And I thought it is kind of interesting, too, that I, I noticed this, I don't know whether this was deliberate or not, but all the kind of, in quotes, bad girls in this episode um Mm -hmm. willow and anya and faith all use the word boring to describe things they don't like you know that anya says do you have any idea how boring 12th graders are and vampire willow often is calling you know saying she's bored when she's ready to like chase somebody um and faith says something about that too that training is like fun only boring or something Mm -hmm. and so um it's kind of a little running thing which is kind of an insight into this sort of uh 
more chaotic personality, you know, that, that it's the opposite of old reliable, right? Old, mm -hmm. There's nothing more boring than old reliable. Whereas these are the girls who um, don't want to be reliable. And I guess by extension, don't want to play by the rules. Yeah. Um, so it's well, kind and, of a nice and... little, a nice little motif, which connects them all together. I was just going to say, I, I was just going to say too that um, Willow uses the word as well. Mm. Our Willow uses the word um, when oh, she's talking she to Oz. Oh, right. You think I'm when, boring, when right? You're right. She says, "You think I'm boring?" Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. So, so I and I think yeah, I, I say that not to. No, you're not, right. It, I, I think that strengthens. It supports the point it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, there's not a lot to say about Anya. Um, we get the, you know, that she is very old and that she does still apparently have contact with her demony friends. Yeah. Um, Dahafren is the leader or the head demon or whatever of her sect, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that. Um, I don't remember if they actually use his name here or not, but that's not really giving much away. Um but a few things that I would just point out, and I think I don't remember if we got this explicitly, but but she says, uh, you know, I brought ruin to the heads of unfaithful men. Um, I don't remember if we talked about that in the wish at all, but but it is that was her motive for yeah, we, having her. Um, we did get a sense of that before that she was uh, that she sort of was this representative of scorned women, you know, that that was okay, sort of yeah, her. Yeah. 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 That that was in the wish, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, and like you said, she's mortal. She's stuck at Sunnydale High for whatever reason. Although <laughs> I find it interesting that we don't really get an explanation of how she's making a living of any kind at this point. Yeah. She's a high school student, clearly has no relatives or, you know, whatever. So she's doing something to support herself at this right. point. Right. Um, and, and, and doesn't, <laughs> yeah, doesn't have any magic or anything. And interestingly decides to continue at Sunnydale. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so this is not like someone like Faith who dropped out at the first sign of, you know, when, right. whenever she could or wanted to. Um, she seems to be sticking with the high school thing for some reason. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how why that necessarily matters. It's just, it's kind of weird and interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I also wanted to point out, and this doesn't have anything to do with Anya specifically. We get two references back to our least favorite episode, um, with the swim team. Uh -huh. And, uh, we get we get we get Snyder explicitly mentioning you know the stuff that happened last year with the swim team, yeah. um, with regard to Percy, who's now their hope for the basketball team. But then we also yeah. get um, Anya saying, "If she's a vampire, it's, it, then I'm the creature from the black." Oh Moon. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, in which we get references to in that episode as well. So yeah. Um, I don't know that that's important at all. I just thought it was kind of funny that we get not one, but two references to that <laughs> episode in particular. Um, so yeah, Anya, um, we'll see Anya again. Um, I don't think that's a huge spoiler or surprise, um, but 
when and how and in what form she takes, yeah. I won't give away. Remains to be there. seen. Okay. Uh, let's see. We talked about Percy. Anything else to say about him? Um, I don't think I had anything, no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he he's snooty at the beginning he does he, he doesn't know which roosevelt to write a paper on so he does two so of did them at the end so yeah. very very strong turnaround <laughs> yeah in his uh particular attitude towards yeah Will. yeah um so yeah that was funny uh I, not a lot about giles we sort of talked about oz and and willow i guess the only other folks maybe to talk about that we should really talk about are the mayor and faith yes um oh yes very and then, very, very minor stuff goes on well minor but major you know small but major i guess minor but major because i was surprised to find her so much a part of our group at the beginning that she's training with wesley so it's like so are we just to take that she's not being pursued by the council anymore? I was sort of imagining this sort of more fugitive existence where they had to sort of keep her under wraps from the council. But I was sort of surprised to see her openly working with Wesley and training and acting for all the world like the reformed good girl and everything. So that was sort of a little bit surprising to me. Um yeah. So that's a really good point. <laughs> no, because I thought this as well and I was I, I was wondering how to address it. Okay. <laughs> because I don't know that I can. Okay. And that's maybe a little I don't know something I don't, they meant to address and never got around to or I don't know if that ever does get explained really. But you're yeah. right. I mean you would think that given that she escaped from this potential, you know, um, entrapment or, or arrest or whatever by the council. Yeah. I, I think what I would sort of assume, and this is, I've not read this anywhere or whatever, so I could be way off base, but, um, or I've not heard it explained anywhere. Um, and maybe I'll need to like revisit the commentaries or something, but, I guess I would just sort of ex- explain it away in my own mind as Giles Giles clearly knew what was going on, right? And yeah. warned Wesley against calling. Well, I don't know. Did he actually warn them? No, because that happened without their knowledge. Um, but we do see Wesley come back and realize he was wrong at yeah. the end of the last episode. Right. So my only thought is that they intervened. And said, you know what? Let's not, let's call off the dogs kind of thing. That yeah. They must have some time between last episode and this one said, yeah. we were, we were wrong. You know, Wesley called up his council buddies and said, we're, this is wrong. Or maybe they had the trial in absentia or whatever and found it was an accident or something. We right. don't, we don't get an explanation. So this is okay. just me shooting from the hip. Okay. Uh, so this doesn't become like a big plot point or anything. I think we move on from here. Okay. <laughs> I think we acknowledge okay. that, that it's, it's possibly a plot hole that we mm. can probably come up with our own explanations to sort of fill it. 
Yeah. But there's nothing that I'm aware of, at least right now, that that's canonical it, yeah. as a sort of explanation. Okay. Well, and I think right. you're you right to, to pick up on it. You know, it it's just one of those things. Yeah, no, and, and not to make a big thing out of it. It just did surprise me. Um, no, but... I, but I, I like that you pointed out because it, it definitely is a problem. And I think, you know, it's something we need to... We need to address those when they pop up. <laughs> even <laughs> we need to if, call Joss on his. <laughs> e- even if addressing them is saying, I, I don't know. I can't explain. We don't know. Let's yeah. just assume yeah. that something happened that puts her there. I think okay. now from, from her side, there I think there's some clear motivations for her wanting to. Oh, yes. There. Yes, yes. No, and she's definitely acting the team player. She says, hey, I'm on board here. Just shoot my mouth off. So she's sort of giving the impression that she's you know, reformed and back, back under the fold, I guess. Um, Mm. But meanwhile, she's spying on Willow and riding her out to the mayor. So, (laughs) yeah, so that's not so good. And not, uh, and getting easily distracted with playstations and cool apartments and things. So, Mm. um, so that seems to be where things are going is she's this informant now. Um, And the mayor says, he won't have her do the dirty work, but he says not early, not this early in the relationship. So he sort of hints that that might be further down the road. Um, yeah, it's so it seems that he's got more plans for her than than simply some, uh, you know, discreet espionage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, as opposed to the non-discreet espionage, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's yeah. what we know at this point. Um, and they're keeping, so, but she's, you know, this isn't, you can't in any way see her as being used by him. She's definitely in the know of what she's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's oh, bringing yeah. him information and they're, she's getting nice new digs, but keeping the old one for show. So this is turning into a sort of long con sort of thing where she's going to, mm-hmm sell them out big time and uh maybe, yeah. maybe not quite the level of the wire but you know getting close to it something yeah, similar yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so she's sort of playing along at least for now so we'll see where that goes that's not good um yeah and well and and the mayor's um insistence still that he's a family man yeah right i don't find that thing that sort of thing amusing now let's kill your little friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's this not, not down with the flirting, but fine with the cold-blooded murder. Yeah, this That's... kind of weird dichotomy. That doesn't violate so... his his family rules. No, not at all. Um, so I guess in our last minute or two, speaking of Wesley, we should say a word or two about him and Cordelia. <laughs> yeah. Um, because she turns up with. An eye towards bumping into him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which does eventually that happen. Obvious? Yeah. Um, so. Right. There we go. Uh, I don't know what else to say about they that. Bump. Other than that, she is working on it. <laughs> and and seems to be received. Like, Wesley seems okay with how she's approaching it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's yeah. happy to be the the rescuer. 
he's a bumbling rescuer, but it doesn't matter. As long as he rescues her from vampires, that's going to be good enough. So, yeah, I like his squeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. actually has two. Right. So he hears her scream first and like jumps out of his skin in the middle of the hallway there yeah. and then like goes to whatever and then rescues her. and then she touches him like the lightest yeah. touch ever and he yeah. squeals and it's like did you forget that you forget she that was she standing was there, behind yeah. you and you were trying to save her like yeah that's pretty funny yeah and then he tries to play it off oh you know men in the heat of battle yeah yeah so, well, well, well yeah so yeah no i mean there's there very humorously uh some mutual desire affection yeah. whatever you want to call it there so again we'll see where that goes as well so we will anyway but moving on moving on to doctor yes Hope and silence in the library so yes great episode um yeah i want to see you the like rest it? of it i I, knew, I thought you would um <laughs> I know. Let's get this over with so that you can go watch the second half. I know, right? Yeah, let's hurry this thing up so I can go finish watching it. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so I think, um, I, well, before we get sort of into substance, I think you had a couple of notes that you wanted to give yes. uh, with regard to the production and stuff. So um, I do. This is, not only is this a great episode, this is a hugely important episode, both within and without. Um, so... Moffat again. Moffat's great. Um, so the really fascinating part of this is that uh, the first half of this story was transmitted on uh, May 31st, so we're almost to that date here, but 2008. Um, and so it was a couple, like a week or two before this, on May 20th, that the announcement was made that as of season five, Stephen Moffat would be taking over the show running duties from mm. Russell Davies. So that puts a certain amount of weight on this episode. You can imagine, I mean, sure. put yourself in the frame that it's, it's, it's just been announced that Moffat is going to take over. And then barely two weeks later, this episode transmits. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, I'm, I'm sure they did that on purpose. Made the announcement right before his episode was due to come yeah, out. Yeah, seems like um, it would have and made sense. Yeah, it it makes sense. And I I don't know. I, the interviews I've read suggest that he didn't necessarily know he was going to take over when he wrote these episodes. Okay, but that it, was going to be my question. But yeah. it's 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 hard to imagine that he didn't because it's so clearly written it, it seems to be written with that in mind you mm. you have to wonder because you know we've talked about um metafiction in doctor who and i think russell davies isn't unfamiliar with that you know we talked about it with like like linda being you know, self-referential is like the Doctor Who fandom, right? Like, it's not like Russell Davies never did any self-referential metafiction. But with Moffat, you almost always have to read his Doctor Who with those glasses on. Like, it's almost like if Moffat's around, get your metafiction hat on because that's the way he likes to write and think about things. So he, you can't really escape the fact that this episode is 
in both like within the narrative and outside of it a peek into the future you know mm -hmm. because we're peeking into the future of this is written and transmitted in the context of the of the Moffat era looming you know as something that's coming down the pike mm -hmm. um and then inside the story you've got this character of river who is yeah. You know, clearly a character from the future who's bringing associations that we don't understand yet and who's giving the doctor a glimpse yeah. of the future, just like we're getting a glimpse of the Moffat future. And you start throwing the term spoilers around and you can see where this is going. So, like, it's just a really fascinating, you know, it's really interesting that it's this episode where I can just, I wasn't watching when this was transmitted, but I could just imagine watching it knowing that the Moffat era is coming and it having so much more weight. Sure. Um, so, sure. you know, I don't think we necessarily need to start talking about River and all the metafictional uh, uh, stuff right away, but I want to keep that in mind for these two episodes because the announcement of the end of the Davies tenure and the beginning of the Moffat tenure is clearly hanging over this episode. Um, both for the writers and for the characters, I think. So just wanted to put it in context a little bit. Very well. All right. So having said that, um, yeah, so where to begin? I guess just sort of with the situation <laughs> and the setting and all of that would probably yeah. be a good place. Um, the library, so big it doesn't need a name. <laughs> just a great big the. Uh, like the doctor, you yes. know, kind of in yes. a way. Uh, yeah. so, all right, really big. It's an entire planet. The core is the index, uh, computer with the biggest hard drive ever. Um, they have every book ever written and, and he names a few of those, not titles I would necessarily, or series even that I would necessarily choose, but you know, whatever, that's fine. Jeffrey Archer, Bridget Jones, Monty Python's big red book. I don't have anything <laughs> Monty against Python. them. Monty Python's big red book is in there. Yeah, right, right. I don't have anything against those titles per se. Just again, not ones that I might have thought of too. Yeah, he doesn't call exactly. He doesn't exactly pick classics of the Western canon, does he? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, or whatever. That's fine. That's cool. Um, it's empty and silent, mm -hmm. of course, but apparently there are many million millions of life forms um well it stops counting at a million million right so we, we don't know more than that yeah how many exactly there are um yeah. could yeah it, it could go on for several other exponential factors yeah. um and uh yeah so that's that's where we are yes and it has a little shop it does have a little shop, <laughs> like which every... of course means they're safe, you know. Yeah, every library has a shop. Um, yeah. Um, and 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 it's all in the head of a girl. Uh huh. Except that it's real, and the stuff that's not in the head, like the girl and everything else, is not real, apparently. Okay, there you go. I don't, I don't, do you have I, any? Do you have any theories to spin, or nothing that makes sense? Okay. To me. <laughs> I mean, I was 
obviously trying to think about that and yeah. what how that could possibly play out. Um, do I have any theories? Yes. Uh-huh. Do I have any I'm willing to share or Confident that I think in, yeah. are yeah, actually likely? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you so it throws me back to things like, um, well, you know, movies like, uh, to name maybe a couple recent ones like Shutter Island or, mm. um, uh, even like Inception or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, where, okay, it's in the mind of this little girl and, and whatever, but like, those don't quite seem to fit. Those mm. are just what sort of made me what I thought of sort of initially when, when you get that, you know, insight from Dr. Moon, you're like, Ooh, yeah. this is, there's something weird going on here. Yeah. Well, um, that would be kind of what it does seem to be in the beginning is that she's, yeah, she's the little, that kind of trope of the little girl who has, you know, it, it's all in her head or these visions or whatever. But then he kind of flips it on his head at the end and says, right, right. What everything you've been thinking, it's actually the opposite. That your mundane life of your your house and your dad and what you think of as real is actually the illusion, and it's the library and the, the nightmares which are real. Which again mm-hmm. is Moffat intentionally giving children nightmares, but <laughs> like right, sure. all the things you think are actually. The real ones and your mom and your dad and your nice little safe house. Those are the things which are the illusion. Yeah. So so then then the the thing that where I go to from there is that somehow the biggest computer in the world is sentient. Mm. Um, the 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 corollary I would draw, although I don't think you've read this book, would be to um Mike from uh, Moon is a harsh mistress. Uh, who's actually? No, I haven't read who, it yet. Who, who, who actually? The 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 computer's name is Mycroft Holmes, um, which oh, very uh, nice. has, has has a very obvious prominent uh, provenance there. Yeah. Um, but they call him Mike, and uh, it and it's in 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 in, in that book in, by Robert Heinlein. He uh, the computer. It's it's one. It's like a computer where they just keep attaching nodes to it. Um, and they eventually attach so many that it basically starts functioning as a, as an independent, uh, artificial intelligence, um, and that kind of thing. So, so that would be sort of my other thought, um, because I didn't really think that the inception slash, you know, shutter Island slash, you know, it's all in your head. I didn't really think that that was where they were going. Um, so this would be the other thing is that it's, it's a computer creating, um, the stuff, you know the 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 girl's world or whatever and um how and 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 the reason i say that is because you have these things where like she can see through you know these security droids or you know when she's pressing buttons on the remote control it's 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 you know affecting things physically in the library um and that kind of thing and so what that suggests to me if if the little girl is the computer or an aspect of the computer's personality, that it's an emerging consciousness. It's, mm. and, and I say that, um, 
you know, literally in that uh, present progressive sense that it's still emerging and trying to figure out what itself is. And so it has this, you know, psychologist helping it through, which is probably just another aspect of the computer. But, you know, it's sort of like another manifestation trying to figure out what what it its own life. Right. I'm going down. I'm going like way down this road that could be completely absolutely wrong so you mm-hmm. know i like my theory <laughs> you know that's fine i could be i admit i could be way off um yeah anyway yeah no um, and i think well, there's there's other things um there's other connections too like the when the alarm sounds the phone rings in her apartment and um mm-hmm. and i don't know if you caught this one but she lays on a rug in her house, which is the same design as the logo in the library too. So there's even little, I did not, there's even little visual connections as well as, um, and we just watched, uh, or we didn't watch, we read, you sent me an article to read about the importance of not forgetting the, the visual stuff, right. When doing these sorts of like TV. And so I was trying to be hyper aware this time of, visual things and um Mm. and like so that was kind of another not a connection in the plot but just in the sort of uh prop details and things like that um sure sure so there's Um, definitely you know obviously i'll i'll let you see for yourself how how closely it lines up with your theory there but like definitely there's a connection. I mean, the girl. There's, there's suggestions that that could be. And then, and I mean, there's. I mean, obviously, whatever the connection is, there is a connection between the girls. Right. The girls' world and the world of the library, and yeah. and 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 her mind, and and the actions that she takes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and specifically her though. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem that the things that her father or that Doctor Moon do. Right have this have similar effects in the library so it's yeah and and it's and it's dr moon that that kind of says at the end that she has particular significance too that Mm -hmm. um there are people in danger and only you can save them right Um, right and she says and, and she ends the episode with donna noble has been saved so right and that's what i was just gonna say is that she she ends by saying the thing that the Donna node is saying, right. Which right. is really a creepy ending yes. um, between her and the, and the um, Vashta Narada. Yeah. Uh, proper Dave and his. Yeah. What? Well, I guess he's not proper Dave anymore cause he's dead. So, you know, the things the his yeah. data ghost, I guess would be. Yeah. Uh, what it is that's saying that. Yeah, sort anyway. of re- repeating his last words. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. And all I would that also... to say, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, and one other thing I would also point out, too, again, to bring in this idea of the metafiction and everything, that the 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 fact that they're in a library setting, and, and the plot doesn't really resolve around books so much like mm-hmm. the story doesn't necessarily have to do with books but the fact that we're surrounded by all these books then you have to kind of and even river has a book of her own you have to kind mm-hmm. of bring in this idea of stories too so you you know 
you add that in with the little girl and and the fact that they're referring the Dr. Moon is referring to this as in her mind and in her imagination and she's drawing pictures of the library and right. um you know he says you know when you're there how do you move around she says by wishing and everything so you get this you know a subtle little again it's not prominent in the plot of the episode but in the background i think is this idea of stories and yeah. fiction and narrative and all these things so yeah. um so i think you know just more sort of data to add to the to the episode to the pile yeah so yeah very very interesting so yeah so the library the girl um but I, so i guess and i was trying to think so you know again so you if if it's all sort of in her mind or whatever which is what dr moon says at one point um that it's the library is in your mind um and the girl says i know it's in my mind yeah <laughs> and and it's um yeah but so then you, you, i, I you know it i know it is but someone's got in <laughs> yeah i know it is um, but things are still people are in there things are happening so, so then you you know you bring up like the the vashta narada and you know you could sort of read that metaphorically like is this like a tumor or a sickness mm. or or you know disease of some kind but then you get the doctor saying well but actually they're on lots of planets right so right. it can't be specific to the library um that that is so that's that's another thing it's like okay so they are also invaders mm. of of a kind yeah um, that have gotten in um but the courtesy nodes are not they no. seem to be part of the library um yeah. and yep. they're kind of weird they are very weird donna in particular finds them very disturbing um yeah the, which the, the of very, course then the means a very she's uncanny end up with valley yeah. sort of thing to them um yeah and it just seems inevitable yeah. that sorry i shivered just then Sorry, I think we had a lag. Um, but it seems kind of inevitable that she, who finds them the most disturbing, ends up with her face on one at the end of them. So, you know. Yeah. That's just the way. Just the way it goes. Um, but I like to the doctor. Actually, I don't know if you noticed that it's the 51st century, which is the same time period that Jack came from. Um, but the doctor's note about it's the 51st century. That's basically like donating a park bench. So again, like his view of what's disturbing and alien is not quite the same thing as Donna's view of what's disturbing and alien. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I remembered that the 51st century was important, but I couldn't remember why. So mm. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I couldn't remember where we had heard or been, there at some point or whatever um so yeah no definitely glad you pointed that out um interesting interesting okay so where to start so yeah we've just been talking about like the library and stuff we haven't even gotten to like any characters really except the yeah. girl um i guess just let's start with the doctor okay and donna and move on from there um so the doctor, um, 
I like, you know, he's got a lot of nice little pithy quotes about books and mm. we'll probably be retweeting those and stuff. But because, <laughs> um, you know, a good quote about books is always fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> I also liked his little comment about Sundays. Sundays are boring. Yeah, I never lamb on Sundays. Let's, uh, <laughs> let, there, there's that word again. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and he and, is a bit of a troublemaker, so it fits. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah, we get we get a lot of like his little proclivities here. He also does not like archaeologists, apparently. Um, not, I don't know why that is but for whatever reason he's well just that i think the joke i guess being that time travel makes them sort of superfluous that <laughs> why oh, do you need, yeah why do you I need guess he does students sort of, of human history when he has all of history outside his doorstep you know i point and laugh i'm a time traveler i point and laugh at archaeologists that mm. you know your your way of going about it is so quaint you know when i can just step outside in any time period and learn experience history for myself so that's my reading of that line yeah yeah um that makes sense that makes sense uh i like his so that we get to the point too where you oh i'm thick look at me i'm old and thick head's too full of stuff i need a bigger head (laughs) um apparently his head is not bigger on the inside no um so he needs to expand it, and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, talking about the doctor here, I guess just, you know, he does his all normal doctory things, but, like, the big, the big interactions are kind of between him and River, of course, because yeah, I find it interesting that he sort of, ignores all of the clues that he's getting about her Mm. Um, or at least approaches them sort of obliquely. And that might just be because, you know, they're in a very serious situation. And so he needs to focus on other things. Yeah. He sort of, he, he acknowledges that you see him notice them, but kind of decide, okay, now's not the time. It's not till they have a quiet moment that he actually brings it up, you know, that, Mm-hmm. He kind of notices all the things she's saying, but doesn't. He chooses not to acknowledge them right away. Right, right. Um, and and so and obviously, you know, I mean, we find out explicitly from River, but I mean, I think even before she says it, we're we're we can sort of figure it out on our own that yeah. she's someone he knows from the future and has not yet met. Yeah. Um, which we've run into that circumstance before with Sally Sparrow mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, um, particularly at the end, right? When, when he has no clue who she is and obviously she's just gone through this whole blink, don't blink thing, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, she sort of accepts it. Um, but obviously yeah, the, River. The face of bow too, if you kind of think about it as, as a little bit of, you know, Meeting yeah. Jack and not, I mean, not quite the same way. I think this is different, but still, I mean, we've had those little encounters of people out of order before. I think that's right. what you're and, saying. And and that, I mean, that you could almost excuse because, if, I mean, assuming Jack is actually the face of Bo, which I, <laughs> which I think we which came we to are. the... Which, 
Well, I was going to say, which we came pretty much to that conclusion. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I still want to throw in there that there's maybe that smidgen of doubt. Okay. But, but, but yes, making that assumption. Um, and I just actually just watched the new earth episode today with my daughter. So just saw the face of Bo. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you had at least excused it because of the vastly different look. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, like, right. like that you could at least say, Oh, well the doctor should know who he is at least, you right. know, at that point, except that why would they don't even look like each other? Right. No. And that and is definitely so, in it's only, and, and even with Sally Sparrow, I think you could say with those two, it's more like it only has significance in retrospect. You know, mm -hmm. whereas right. this is clearly not retrospective. This is forward looking. This is yeah. a character saying, I didn't have significance. I'm not telling you how I affected your life in the past and you're only realizing it now. Right. This is a character saying, I'm going to impact you in the future and it hasn't happened to you yet. Yeah. And, you know? and seemingly quite positively that at least that's the impression I get. I sure. like I like the. Uh, Should we just go ahead and talk about the Doctor and River together? Because I feel like that just makes. <laughs> I feel like sense. we are already, yeah. Because that's pretty um, much, yeah. I was gonna say I like that she feeds him the same exact line that he gives to Donna about spoilers. He he takes the book out of Donna's hand and is like, you know, no spoilers. This stuff happened before your your or after your time. Yeah, you can't know about it and. She says the same thing, yeah. obviously not having heard him say that to Donna, yeah. but gives him that line and how much he dislikes that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you can just sort of see the look of disdain, yeah. you know, the, the not liking the mystery and, and the whatever about it. Because And, and, and they both use the, the term spoilers. You know. Right. Yeah. No, that's the tie. That's the. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tie in together. So um, definitely, definitely like that aspect to it. Um, but yeah, just the idea that she has this book that has a TARDIS look to it. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the idea that she has this book full, apparently, of adventures they've been on. Yeah. So. Like you said, this is clearly someone who is impactful. I mean, some kind of future companion of some sort, it mm -hmm. seems. Um, and one that is a very significant <laughs> companion of a kind. I don't yeah. know how significant or in what way. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, it's, it's frustrating to talk about because there's so many questions. Yeah about who she is and what she does. Um, she, she opens up the first things that she says is hello, sweetie. Mm -hmm. Which and, gives you a certain and, amount of insight. But, and yeah. And, and let me step back and say, so this is an instance where I, I've, I was a, I watched ER. I okay. knew who Alex Kingston was. Yes. I knew she was in Dr. Who and I knew who her character was in Doctor Who. So when you when I saw her, yeah, I had that knowledge. Yes, no you idea. You say what, you know who she was, like you knew she played a character called. I River knew she Song. played a character named River Song. Yeah, I did not know anything else. anything about the character yeah. or anything like that. So, yes. and I still don't feel like I know that much. Sure, um, certainly a lot more than I did. Yes, um, 
so let me just all the say say that and say yeah. that you know i i'm a fan of hers to begin with and yeah. knew that she was coming up at some point didn't know when i did not know it was going to be this episode so until she appeared had no idea yeah so those opening words hello sweetie <laughs> um i just took as a that's how she talks okay you know what I she's mean? a flirt and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't until you start seeing some of this revelation about who she is and whatever that you have to go back and think hmm, hmm. does that have opening have more significance right to it than than right. merely um yeah you know a greeting that she gives to everyone no and and it is it could just be flirtatiousness i mean she doesn't mm -hmm. i mean she does it with the doctor a few times the i like the the pretty boy exchange that it takes him yeah, a minute yeah. to figure out the pretty boy refers to him um right. but it's not i mean she's kind of flirtatious with even though it's in a backhanded sort of way she even talks like that around like mr lux like why do i have to put my helmet on i don't fancy you so like clearly like flirtatious, oh, yeah, she's definitely flirtatious cheeky. banter is part of her character. But mm -hmm. you're right. Once you get this kind of sense of the the extent of their history, then "Hello, sweetie" could imply an intimacy that maybe mm -hmm. it didn't on the first time yeah. through. You know, so yeah. I think that's probably uh, that's definitely the right way to be thinking about it. Um. And then, and then, yeah, we get uh, the clues, and then the not so much clues as outright statements. Yeah, <laughs> you know about you know the fact that she actually knows who the doctor is, and 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 the chagrin when she mm. realizes this is well before the time that he knows who she is. Um, doctor, please tell me you know who I am. Who are yeah. you? You know, like yeah. that's that's just whatever. Um, Woo, life with a time traveler. Well, <laughs> life with a time traveler? Like, that's right. the kind of thing that, like, couples say. You know, life with whatever. Yeah. You know, um, never knew it could be such hard work. You know, again, clues pointing towards yeah. a significant yes. kind of relationship. Yeah. Potentially a very specific type of significant relationship. Um you know yeah uh, and the, and the physical intimacy too you know that she's you know a little touchy-feely until she realizes that he doesn't know mm -hmm. who she is and then she mm -hmm. sort of pulls back a little bit but yeah. you know um, it goes beyond just a sort of cheeky flirtatious character and does hint that they know each other pretty well i think right um talks about not seeing inside the book it's against the rules what yeah. rules your rules yeah. <laughs> so they so not only have they uh you know run into each other before they've been together long enough to establish rules of engagement yes like yeah apparently based on multiple meetings mm -hmm. you know multiple distinct separate meetings well and even the thing of where are we this time you know that mm -hmm. this is the ritual we meet each other get out the book figure out where yeah, we yeah. are in the timeline, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so, and the, the agedness of the book too, mm -hmm. how kind of yeah. beat up and, and weathered it is, you know, that definitely all of this is pointing to a very longstanding, you know, arrangement. So. Yep. Um, 
he give he gave her at some point a sonic screwdriver. Yep. Looks very similar. That looks like mine. You gave it to me. <laughs> it should look like yours. Yeah. Is it literally the same one? And we don't know. I mean, I yeah. suppose that's possible. Could be. Although he seems to have many uh you know, many uh of the same model. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> stashed well, we've away seen him, We saw him burn up one screwdriver and replace it. So, you know, right. it could be a, a different... It could be True. literally the same one. It could be another, like, iteration of the same model. Or it could be some sort of future, you know, version that he hasn't made yet. But the point being, it's one of his versions, at least. Right. If not clearly, that same one, yeah. Clearly one that he's given her that, that is... yeah. Very similar, yeah. Yeah. Um, she also has a squareness gun. Um, yes. Which is another callback to Captain Jack. And actually, Moffat said uh, she could have potentially, if she got his sonic screwdriver, or got the doctor's sonic screwdriver, could this potentially be the same squareness gun? Because, you know, Jack, he said, you know, Jack lived in the TARDIS for an indeterminate amount of time. Presumably, he could have left behind his squareness gun at the end of the parting of the ways, and maybe River picked it up there. So, you know, that's not stated, but it could be, you know? It sort of is open to that possibility. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just, you know, yeah, all of this is just hints and more than hints of, not even so much hints as just, you know, teases of, the amount of contact that they are going to have, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and yeah, and just along with the screwdriver, he, he says, I don't give my screwdriver to anyone. <laughs> I'm not anyone. Yeah. You know, again, that, that very not much of a hint <laughs> that, yeah. uh, you know, she is definitely, um, someone who has a, a a deeper relationship than the average person, perhaps even than the average companion. Mm. Um, because what other companions has he given a screwdriver to? Yes. Some have used a screwdriver yeah. and then given it back. Temporarily. You know I mean? Yeah. Right, but right, right. They don't get, it's not like when you become a companion, you get your own sonic screwdriver. Right. You know, right. He gives TARDIS keys. Yeah but not screwdrivers like this is yeah um so so yeah anyway so that's all of them and to top it all off she knows about donna Mm. but doesn't know her yeah um doesn't recognize her until the doctor calls her donna and then she's surprised and says oh you're donna donna noble like even knows her last name yeah um so knows her by reputation. Yeah. And Donna, boom, right to the heart of it. Yeah. Wait, how come you know the doctor in the <laughs> yeah. future, but not me? Yeah. What happens to me? Where am I? Yeah. You're stuck in the mind of a little girl, apparently, and turned into a courtesy node. Um, yes, but notice, notice that um, when Donna's, when Donna does get stuck on a courtesy node, River says, how can it be Donna? So, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you know, I, don't, I mean, I'm hoping I suspect strongly that Donna's not actually like gone mm-hmm. anywhere at this point, but yeah, well, so 
you know, it hints, you know, at some sort of ending for Donna. And, yeah, we're not sure what that Possibly. is. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Right. Yeah, That's no, she's sort just of sort of silent on the issue. Silence but then again, again, there were times um, where we thought Rose died and yeah. then we found out she didn't. So Yeah. Um, and and it makes me think, too, you know, of uh, silence in the library as the title that with the you kind of get the idea of silence, too, is, uh, you know, all these things which. Or, which are spoilers, which you can't say, you know, mm. that River has to keep silent about things sure. which she knows. And, you know, just like the doctor tells Donna, don't look at these books. They're from your future. And I try to keep you away from major plot developments and stuff like that. River is silent on certain issues, you know, that the doctor isn't aware of and the Don and that Donna's not aware of and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, makes sense. You know, it's it's again that theme. And I think I said this off air that silence becomes kind of a Moffat theme in general, not quite the way it's used in this episode, you know, as referring to the, the quiet library. But um, but still, I think we can notice any sort of use of that concept as yeah. significant. So. Okay. Hmm. Um, so. Yes. So where do we go from there? So, um, you know, beyond that, I mean, we get the with. Uh, River, um, I mean, we do get the sense that there's a certain compatibility of personality as well. Right. She's sort of the leader of the group and mm -hmm. the one giving orders um, sort of alongside or in conjunction with the doctor or at least saying to people listen to the doctor i trust him with my mm -hmm. life you know um, how can you you just met him no he's only just met me yeah uh you know and that sort of thing so like you know that that sort of uh you know she has that leadership but also knows when to yeah. defer <laughs> uh you know to the doctor and, and that kind of thing too um yeah and and his thing of uh she's certain that whatever killed the people is dead. And he says, bet your life. And she says, always. So you get this, again, that kind of spunky, adventurous side, you know, that she's, you know, the, the kind of companion that is adventurous. It's not her first trip and, around the block. Yeah. With the daughter. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Yeah. So she's clearly capable. And even like we've seen Rose and Martha and Donna enjoys the, you know, not enjoys the danger not enjoys death but maybe enjoys the adventure and you know mm -hmm. the kind of you know thrill-seeking aspect of it you know sure. that there's sure. a there's a fun to be had in betting your life um yeah so which seems to be kind of a companion trait i think yeah well yeah definitely i mean that it it seems like the lowest of bars that you have to at least, <laughs> you, you have know. to enjoy adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, is why we saw Donna not want to go. Yeah. Right. At away. first. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, but it's terrible. Yeah. And she didn't think she would like that. And we're still, we're still yeah. getting that same thing. And so, um, very abruptly, we're going to talk about Donna now. Okay. Um, because, we find here her saying that was horrible. 
yeah. was the most horrible thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, of course, in relation to um, not Evangelista's death, mm. but the results of it, the data yeah. goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was saying to you before we started taping, this is the first point I think that I've been to in Doctor Who where I, re- so I, I'm not one who tends to get misty eyed with mm-hmm. most uh, things that I watch. And maybe it's, I'm just cold and heartless. I like to think that's not the case, but I think, you know, I, I, I think I do tend to take a more intellectual approach to things that I see and stories that I read and that sort of thing. But this, the whole scene there with, the data ghost and everything that got me right where it counts. (laughs) Um, And, and I was trying to think about why that was, because it got me not just the first time, you know, where you might expect it to surprise you and, and whatever, but it got me the second time watching it too. And, and, and almost sort of in a worse way, not that I was like streaming tears or anything. Um, Cause I am a man. I mean, come on, let's <laughs> face it. No, um, no, I just, it, it trying to think about why that was, it, you know, it's, it's, it's all, I, I think mostly Donna, um, but also just the looks on the other's faces. Right. And, and, and seeing, you know, okay, this data ghost, okay, it's it's an echo of the brainwaves of their last thought and the sort of the pathetic, and I mean that in sort of worthy of pity, you know, yeah, sort of yeah. way. Um, you, you know, you know the, the, the pathetic way that she just um, keeps repeating, you know, yeah. the, the don't, don't tell them because they're going to laugh at me. Yeah. And just the, the, the emotion on Donna's face that, you know, one feeling that she was the only one that Evangelista could confide in, but then also on all of the others who mocked her, who ignored her, who told her to wait, who, you know, um, I don't know, just all of those looks and real, you know, the realizations that, you know, what, whatever you know they're hearing this thing that's supposed to be the most secret desire that she didn't want to be laughed at that she wanted to be taken seriously even knowing even the admission um it within that admission that she knows she's stupid yeah you know or at least not as intelligent as everyone else um and 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 that she knows that they made fun of her for it, yeah. you know, and, and just that, I don't know, again, it's, it's that, it, you know, it goes back to that idea of the other, like we were talking about before and, and sort of Ursula K. Le Guin's like this time, the other is, is intelligence. You have this group of people of, uh, you know, archeologists or whatever, who are clearly very smart and very capable people, or at least except other Dave, I'm not, I, I guess the jury's still out on him. Um, but, but, you know, you have this group of people and they see Evangelista as the other, right? They see her as someone who isn't like them and doesn't deserve to be treated. Um, and, and, and we've gotten that with the Ood, right? They're, they're the aliens, they're, um, you know, meant to serve, you know, you get that same sort of feeling with Evangelista here of, you know, that she's, 
only good for one thing and we're not even sure what that is, mm, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing. Like, so I don't know, just that. And, and, and then just the, the pure repetition and emotion of the don't, don't let them know. Cause they'll only laugh at me. They yeah. won't even yeah. after I'm dead or even after, you know, whatever, don't let them know that this is what I was worried about because they're just going to make fun of me. And, and of course none of them do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a bunch of things in there because it's the, that kind of violation of them hearing her private thoughts that she doesn't want them to hear. So that's sort of uncomfortable, you know, but then mm-hmm. I think to Donna's sort of futility of not really, you know, you're not really sure if she, if she's able to help or not, you know, because mm-hmm. And again, you have, it's more gentle this time, but kind of like with the Suntarans, the doctor having to sort of nudge Donna a little bit that like, yeah, give yeah. her a little, you know, it's, just do right. what you can and help her. Um, she's dead. Yes. yes help, help her. her. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, she's asking for your help. So, you know, give it. Um, but then all Donna can do is reassure her and you don't really ever get a sense of whether she hears it or not. You know, the, yeah. the, re- the repetition, of, or, yeah. the repetition of it would suggest maybe not, you know? Right. So I think that's sort of what makes it uncomfortable for Donna. And for me watching it is Donna wanting to help her and not being able to of mm-hmm. just repeating. I said, I won't tell them. And not, you know, you never really get the sense of whether that is going through at the end. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, the kind of, it, it it's pathetic in a few different ways. You know, it is worthy of pity, but it's also kind of a, a sad and unsettling end, too. Mm-hmm. Like, even the line that Anita gives about, my grandfather lasted a day. He kept talking about his shoelaces. You know, it has kind right. of a... That has kind of an Alzheimer's kind of resonance yes, to me. That's of, exactly you know, that like, sort of thing I was thinking of. Like, yeah. like the the horror that in your last moments you might not even really be aware of what you're saying, you know, and and that you might be sort of trapped in your own repetitive thoughts mm. and not totally self aware and everything. So that's kind of a a. It's sad, but also scary at the same time, which is, I think, what makes the scene really sort of effective. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, we So, you what know, as far as Evangelista goes, I mean, I, you know, the sad thing is she was kind of dumb. Um, and, and, you know, did just sort of go off even after the doctor said, you know, everyone kind of stay here, you know, we all need to be here together. Like if you see something interesting, yes, it sucks that nobody listened to you, but like maybe wandering off into another part of the building isn't the best idea. Uh, You know, sympathetic as she is, admittedly, she is not the brightest. So yeah, no, it's the classic horror movie thing of, don't go off on your own don't go into the creepy shadowed room you know what's gonna happen you know um yeah but just we're not allowed to really mock her for that because of i think the pathos of the death scene and everything but yeah 
but yeah, no, she, she definitely, the character was as someone who isn't necessarily the brightest bulb in the box. Mm, Good, good choice of analogy. Yes. Um, Donna, uh, again, though, we get back to the, that was horrible. It was the most horrible thing I've ever seen, which I find interesting given that, like we talked about all the the horrible things and all the other horrible things, because she's, you know, she's already talked about like, you know, I thought traveling with, you doctor would be you know something great and something whatever and it's yeah. like every at every turn <laughs> she, she is seeing week, something yeah. more and more horrible and, yeah you know more death and more destruction and more you know whatever and it's it's that how can you keep doing this you yeah. know that idea of how can you keep seeing these things time and again um and and continuing on to the next thing yeah um so yeah, I don't. I mean, she gets turned into a courtesy note or whatever. So we don't we don't get her sort of reaction beyond that um, at this point, anyway. But in ten minutes, I'll be able to go watch the rest of it. Um, <laughs> well, and so. you get a little a little teeny hint of it too at the beginning of her being a little miffed that they're in a library when the plan was to go to the beach. So you maybe get right, a little right, right. a little sense of what Donna would rather be doing this week, like. Yeah. We Why were, are we? It here? was all let's hit the beach, and then suddenly we're in a library, and so you kind of get the point of like, this wasn't really her first choice, and maybe she was ready for a little bit of a break, you know. So, right. and you know. and and again, going back to like the doctor and River, we find out that it's her who called him, she who called him. Yes. Uh, you know that that. There, I mean, they have such a good bond that she knows how to communicate telepathically. Which, yeah. again, I man, I weird how the connections come up. I watched, like I said, New Earth uh, earlier today, and in that, it's it's the face of Bo yes. who calls the doctor with the psychic paper. Yeah. So we don't see that very often, but no. a couple times now we've we've seen that that's possible, and it's only by these people who have these sort of. Very really long, strong attachments yeah, yeah. and and yeah are important to the doctor so that's another interesting aspect too um yes and and understandable and put in that context of donna was maybe hoping to be somewhere else yeah <laughs> um you know why is it oh it's because this other chick called me yeah <laughs> even yeah. though donna's not interested in that sort of way yes um yeah i do well, get she's... one Cry we get for one help little with a kiss. <laughs> yeah, well, we do get one sort of sly look from River to Donna at Donna. Um, I can't remember if it's before or after she knows who Donna is, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's the whole sort of like the Donna's trying to feel out. So you know the doc who the doctor is or whatever, and 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 yeah. you get that. I'm not even sure like how to read the look exactly, but it's kind of like a yeah, what is it to you kind of look. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think. And then, as, but then, as soon as River finds out who Donna is, she's like, "Oh, you're Donna Noble. Yeah. You're okay. There's import here." Yeah. Well, and it's almost like, like you kind of said, like she knows her by name or by reputation, if not personally. But the way she says, you know, "You're Donna, Donna Noble," it almost sounds like 
a character out of a book or a, or a name mm-hmm. out of history. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I read about you, you know, yeah. Donna. Which Donna is what Noble. Donna was doing with, you know, uh, last week with, um, um, crap, the author there. Oh, yeah, Agatha, Agatha Christie. Christie yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. I don't know why I forgot her name. Um, but yeah, yeah, just the just that that idea of like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is great or whatever, or at least you know, yeah, you're someone I've heard so much about and, and have never, and, and has a sort of like a bigger than life. Yeah. Um, when in fact they're as big as life literally, because that's all anyone ever can be. Right. Um, so anyway, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe just one or two things about the other expedition members. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have, do you have anything else about the doctor, Donna, Um, before we, let me them. see. Well, um, a couple things. Uh, that they go. She ends up escaping through the little shop, which she sort oh, right. of pointed out on the way in. So again, Donna's little practical side coming into use there. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah, how do we get out of this place? <laughs> they always have an exit in the gift shop. Yeah. 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 Right, um, but she's the one who would notice how to leave, especially if she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, that I didn't ever really understand before, but this time I listened really closely, why the doctor doesn't teleport them all out. And he says something about that the TARDIS wouldn't recognize them. Um, so, mm. you know... I don't know if I don't know if that bothered you. Sometimes I've I've wondered that in the past, but this time I paid extra you know super close attention and it's funny because that's the sort of thing that normally would, but I don't think I picked up on Okay. I, I, I think I I think I was just sort of thinking like, okay, they're going back to where they went and the doctor is getting Donna back to the TARDIS. Right. Cause she doesn't have a suit um, on and everything. And that, I think right. that's kind of how and I, he tricks that's her how I, it. that's how I rolled with it before. Um, yeah. he does. I like his trick of Donna, let me explain. And <laughs> he just doesn't even let, let her. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. You're um, that always strikes me as funny. Um, and, but, and that you get a callback to, to emergency program one, you know, which will take her home and, five hours mm-hmm. which i think we first uh we've heard of a couple times because it's the hologram of the ninth doctor when he when he sends rose back when he tricks rose right. home right, it's right, emergency right. program one and then again i think it's in the girl in the fireplace when uh rose says he says to rose how long did you wait she says five hours he says always wait five hours so he mm-hmm. says something in this episode about uh after five hours, if he's not back in five hours, the TARDIS would take her home. Right. Um, but she but never gets there. She never gets there because uh, she gets turned into a courtesy node somehow. But she's also saved somehow. So I'll well, leave it with it that. Could be, I, I mean, the explanation there could be it's a deranged computers version of how she was saved mm. right you know it's the i saved i saved her by killing her right, right. <laughs> you know what i mean like right okay that could be i'm not saying that's the case i'm just saying that yeah there's 
there's an explanation that involves her both being described as saved and dead yes. at the same time. Yes. <laughs> um, no, that that is... would not be completely unheard of in fiction the, or real life even. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Um, and I guess one other thing to say too would be when Donna's grossed out about the courtesy notes, she says mm. it, it, it chose me a dead face. It thought I'd like. So yeah. I, I like then that when the doctor asks the courtesy node, do you have any information about Donna Noble? It's Donna's face. So it chose in right. her face. It thought, well, yes, like, I do. You know, <laughs> like that struck me after a couple of viewing. Like I always just kind of took that as like, you know, it, it seems like, well, it has to be Donna's face, but it makes sense that it's choosing him a face that he'll like, you mm. know, so. I just thought that's a nice little Right, it's not just back. a random. He happens to run into the Donna note. Right, it, no. It, it actually pulls picks her that face. For him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess that's all I have for them. So, we should probably finish wrap out up with the, the yeah. the rest of the expedition. So, I mean, you can't in a in an episode about darkness and light, you can't pass over the sort of metaphorical Mr. Luke's <laughs> or or Lux, or yeah. however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, where um, where the bad guys are made of shadows. I wouldn't go so fa- so far as to just call Lux the hero, but it's like he brings light into a shadowy building. I guess maybe. Yeah, I, I mean that that's the expedition's purpose anyway, yes. right? It seems to be, um, you know, of of going in to find out what happened to shine the light on, you know, what happened here. Um, But also you get, get the idea that his family is the ones who built the library. Yes. And so you also have the idea of libraries, books, knowledge, you know, bringing light Mm. information, you know, knowledge, whatever. Um, you know, we talk about the dark ages, right? Medieval history as being like the dark ages and, and what's the light. It was the rediscovery of writings of classical works of, or, or the repopularization anyway, not just because they were never really lost per se. Um, I, I, I know you and I have ideas, um, about, the words, the dark ages anyway, but you know what sure. I mean? Just so, sort of the popular idea of that. The popular conception um, of that. Yeah. You, you know, there being, you know, and, and what is it? It's, it's the scholastic monks, right? It's, it's yeah. the, the, the ones who kept the writings around. Um, and yes, not perfectly or whatever, but that's sort of the idea here is that Mr. Lux, his family is the one who built this library. And, and that seems to be, you know, everyone loves a good book, right? So yes. it's, it's, uh, well, most people <laughs> love a good book. Shy people. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, you can't sort of overlook the symbolism of that. Yeah. And we get, we get again, River, um, and her, English rendition of Fiat Lux, mm, uh, let yeah. there be light. You heard him, people. Let there be light. That's the the sort of the classic, the the opening, right, um, to the Bible. The, yeah. Let there be light, um, or you know, not the opening, but at least early on. Um, so uh, you, yeah, and you mentioned the sort of snarky response. Why am I the only one wearing the helmet? I don't fancy you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Okay, 
She's kind of a prick. He is. Too. You, you feel like that might have something to do with it, too. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, he he wants to leave proper Dave behind. Yeah. He's like, you know, no offense, but I'm, I would like to leave now. And yeah. Since you have these shadow thingies in your suit, you can stay here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, beyond that, not much really else that I have to say about him. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the only at? other thing would be to point out um, his retort to the doctor saying, uh, you know, you're you're going to get everyone killed to protect a patent. And he says he's protecting mm. his family's pride. So um, definitely a bit of a prick when it comes to his crew, but seemingly quite loyal to his family and his family's legacy and the library and everything. So, um, you know, just something sure. to note as we go into the second half of the episode, I think. Sure. Sure. Okay. And I don't have anything real particular to say about the rest of them. No, um, I don't either. The only thing I have about other Proper Dave, Dave's dead at this point. Proper Dave. <laughs> yeah, hey, who turned out the lights? And yeah, yeah Anita's still doing okay. Um, other Dave, I, the only thing I have is to quote Stephen Moffat, who said that it says everything about Other Dave, that he accepted that title. So seemingly that would be all we need to know about other Dave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he, he listens to the doctor and does what the doctor says without yeah. really questioning. Yeah. Um, without but in question. a different, in a different way than river song. Does, no, because, because right? river clearly trusts the doctor, but she's also not a blind follower either. She's it's a, based on experience. She's it's based on experience and it's not without, challenge you know i like to go back to mm. river for a second in our last minute you know the, the moment of you know again in that when the doctor is calling mr lux on his pride she says well then why don't you sign his contract you know so right. she's not unaccustomed to the doctor's streak of pride either even though she then admits she didn't sign it either she's you know again comfortable enough to know him well and to call him on his pretensions so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so not not quite the the i guess sheep that other dave is right right and that was my only point is that there's they both put their trust and in, in the doctor and do his bidding or whatever um like willow, willow, like willow would be able to that's what that made me think of yeah <laughs> um, hopefully they're not going to sacrifice any goats at his request yeah. or anything um but yeah there's a different quality to it definitely yeah. definitely so anyway yeah well yeah. we need to stop talking now because i'm going to go finish watching this and um i'm sure i will be texting you but the rest of you will have to wait until next week when we talk about this uh second half yeah all righty all right see you then mm -hmm.